0: Legend. I'm Sam. I'm Amy. And we are a podcast about cryptids, urban legends, and the paranormal. Welcome. What up? <laughs> Not much. So on Instagram, you know how mm-hmm. we're participating in mythical May mythical. May. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is so fun. Like i really like everybody's drawings dude it's so cool people are so talented not me but (laughs) other people yes definitely no yours look great i love your kitsune it's so cute i'm glad i got that one because i love me some nine tails Mm -hmm. and uh your nessie someone said they really liked the shape of it I saw that comment. I'm very <laughs> flattered. I don't think I've got any comments on mine. Really? I don't know. Not that I paid attention to, I guess. Someone said this is cute or something on Jamie's. and I, want, I know. <laughs> I'm wondering if they know that it's a little kid that drew that one. Because I drew Nessie and Nessie looks like a little kid did it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can tell the difference. Like, really? I yeah. don't know. I, I, he has, like, stick legs. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Oh, I, I think it's super fun. It was a good idea. It we'll is a good idea. Every year. Every year we'll draw all the cryptids. Wow. As long <laughs> as I get to do Bigfoot. I feel if, like that one would be if easier. If he ever shows up. I don't know if he'll show up. She's... Uh, i forgot her name Coley ravioli i think is her username (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but she's the one that came up with the whole thing and she uh had everyone give her their favorite cryptids or mythical creature and then she made a list of all the ones that she thought were cool but like i hadn't heard of Almost all of these. <laughs> mm, me either. There's some, but barely. I'm surprised, you know, Bigfoot or Sasquatch or Yeti is not on there. Yeti is on there because I did it. Oh, whoops. That was the one I claimed. Well, then I'm not surprised that that is on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I claimed Yeti because I like Yetis and Josh really? Gates like Yetis. <laughs> I watched that whole whole uh expedition unknown it him. popped up on His my discovery plus and i was like you know you're talking to the wrong person that's the, <laughs> that's the other person it popped up on yours because i'd already watched them all <laughs> <laughs> i'm still you know plowing through ghost hunters i need to get back to it but matt and i got distracted and wanted to watch uh fiction <laughs> Oh, you wanted I was like, what's fiction? <laughs> we wanted to watch Misfits again. We're actually oh. going past the part where we always stop. Like, I'm not gonna say the part we always stop because somebody might be like, What's Misfits? I want to go watch it, which I highly recommend. It's a really good show and freaking mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, but the part that we always stop watching, something happens, and uh mm-hmm. So we're past that part now. How are you liking it? I just really like the Not original the characters. Yeah. I'm the same way when they do that. And it's been so many seasons. And then, yeah, it's... no.
1: Uh,
0: keep- the new girl, though. She looks like Adele. Ooh. Like, exactly. She even makes some of the same faces. And she has, like, the same accent. Like, you know how, like, UK has a whole bunch of different accents, depending mm-hmm. on where everybody grew. She has the same, like, the same. Maybe they're from the same part. What is that called? Not I don't know. I was trying to say. Dialect. Think of... Dialect. There you Dialect. Go. Yeah. She has the same, like, dialect. But... And then some C word was coming to mind, and I couldn't think of it. And I was very off by a letter, I guess. (laughs) It was a D word. (laughs) Yeah, it was. So, are you ready for Amityville? Hell yeah. And I'm not gonna ask you what you think it is. I don't know. What is it? Since you read a book on it, I'm assuming you already know. What? I don't absorb anything I read. What are you talking about? I'm just hoping that you forgot, like, at least 80%. There's a good chance. Okay, cool. <laughs> so with this episode, because, you know, there was a crime involved, we're going to start with a crime, and then we're going to get into the hauntings. All right. Our story starts at 6.30 p.m. on November 13th, 1974, when 23-year-old Ronald Joseph DeFeo Jr., also known as Butch, ran into a bar called Henry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island, New York. And he said, you got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. So from there, Ronald and a small group of people accompanied him back to 112 ocean avenue and they found a pretty disturbing scene joe yes one of the people from the group called the suffolk county police so when police arrived they asked ronald what happened and he responded with quote they got my mom and dad end quote however his mom and dad were not the only victims when the police yeah it's gonna get a little grisly Um, When the police did a walkthrough of the house, they found six bodies. They were identified as Ronald DeFeo Sr., his wife Louise, their daughters Dawn, 18, and Allison, 13, and their sons Mark, 12, and John, 7. This left Ronald DeFeo Jr. as the sole survivor of his family. Sad times. Very, very, very sad. I wanted to go into this case like hardcore like hit like all the true crime aspects <laughs> of it but we are not a true crime podcast no we're not so we keep trying part, to be though <laughs> I, I mean they kind of sometimes go hand yeah, in hand with the but, paranormal they can yeah yeah and I that paranormal is my area of love <laughs> well I mean I love it all but it's my big area of love so Sorry if this part drags out a little bit, but I really wanted you to understand who Ronald DeFeo Jr. was. Um, So there's these are some stories from his childhood and how he grew up. But then after that, I'm not gonna go too deep into the trial or anything like that. We're just gonna. So these are things that I don't know. Okay, cool. Yeah, Um, that's not in the book. I just want you to understand how fucked up he is and some of the reason for it. His father, Ronald DeFeo Sr., worked at his father-in-law's Buick dealership located in Brooklyn, New York, for many years and became very successful at it. Once money was no longer a concern for the DeFeo family, he decided to relocate to Amityville. Purchasing what we now know as the Amityville Horror House. Heck yeah. (laughs) A classic two-story Americana house featuring an attic, several rooms, and a boathouse on the Amityville River. According to Murderpedia, which by the way, if you've never read a Murderpedia article, I never had until this. And holy shit, is it amazing. Whoever puts that together, they're all different like resources or articles everything that you could probably find on the internet about a murder or a murderer is in these articles have so you ever much looked information up the one from sedalia with the guy with the girl in the box i have not mm-hmm. we should do that sometime we should I, just, I don't know if it's on murderpedia but i just want to see if there's more info out there than i i do too actually because the democrat was posting yeah, because that's that's all I read about it was the Democrat stuff. That story is insane. insane. It is very insane. I remember when it happened. You know, the kids were across the street when he was. In yeah. The, yeah, that,
1: was, that so was scary,
0: terrifying, and uh, had to go get the kids from the babysitter. So the my husband at the time, for those who don't know, worked at the hospital. Uh, and right, literally right across the street from the hospital was our babysitter where the kids were kid. You only had one then was it only one. Yeah. You didn't have Velta like four months before you left. Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. So it was just Jamie then at the daycare and the hospital got put on lockdown because they found this murderer's car in the parking lot so i had to go and grab jamie you know because i was like hell no like <laughs> not, then no one knew where he was but yeah and then there was like a they were raiding his house or something that was like a block away mm-hmm. and they were like all surrounding it and they had live footage mm-hmm. it was intense it was a pretty was, crazy time i wish a freaking murder podcast would cover it <laughs> i know i feel like it's it's it it's has layers. Podcast worthy, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Sidetracked, but um, <laughs> so according to me, according to Midi, I thought you were gonna say according to me. <laughs> I guess, according to Murderpedia, there was a signpost in the front yard that read "High Hopes," which is ironic and somewhat heartbreaking, considering what we know happened. Unfortunately, DeFeo Senior was known to his family to be a hot-tempered man. He would have outbursts of rage and violence against his family and Ronald. Um, Ronald, being the eldest child, bore the brunt of the abuse. Not only did he suffer abuse from his father, but he also suffered abuse at the hands of classmates. He was overweight and unpopular with the kids at school, and he was subject to bullying. His father would demand That he stand up for himself at school, but obviously Ronald was not allowed to stand up for himself at home. Oh, of course not. So as Ronald grew older, he uh, grew in size and strength, and he no longer took the abuse from his father. There were shouting matches and physical altercations between the two. DeFeo Sr. realized that Ronald's anger was way worse than his own. And he and his wife, Louise, decided to send him to a psychiatrist. I'm glad that they took him to get help. Yeah, Um, that's kind of unheard of back then. It is, but also on the same token, why do you think he is the way he is? Yeah, (laughs) you might have contributed to that. Yes, just a little bit. So sadly, therapy did not work for Ronald. He didn't think he had any problems whatsoever. Oh. Of course, they did. Kind of have to open up and, you know, take in what you're being told or taught to benefit from it. Um, So instead of continuing to try and find actual ways of helping Ronald, his parents decided that essentially giving in to his every whim was the answer. They literally gave him whatever he wanted. (laughs) It's said that when Ronald was 14 years old, his father bought him a $14,000 speedboat. Good God. Mm -hmm. If he was ever denied something, he would just steal the money from his parents. Uh, But he was hardly denied anything ever. At age 17, he started doing drugs, heroin and LSD more specifically. He also started stealing shit from everyone, and his violent, psychotic behavior was becoming more noticeable, even outside of his family. Apparently, he once went on a hunting trip with some close friends, and during it, he held up a loaded rifle at one of his friends, until the person he was pointing the gun at fled. Later on, he met up with that friend again, and he asked, why did you leave so soon? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Uh, When Ronald was 18, his father got him a job at the Buick dealership, and Ronald himself said that it was an easy job where little was expected of him, and where, regardless of whether he even showed up or not, he was given a paycheck. He used the money for drugs and alcohol. Fighting with his father got more and more frequent and more violent. Once when DeFeo Sr. and Luis were fighting, Ronald grabbed a 12-gauge shotgun from his room, loaded one shell into the chamber, and went back to the altercation between his parents. He pointed the gun at his father's face and yelled, quote, leave the woman alone. I'm going to kill you, you fat fuck. This is it, end quote. (laughs) Wow. Someone's got a temper. They didn't kick him out. (laughs) Nope. Ronald pulled the trigger. But for whatever reason, the gun did not go off. Wow. Afterward, Ronald just walked out like it was no big deal. Mm. So that's just a little bit of foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A few weeks before the murders, Ronald had been asked to take some money and checks totaling around $21,800 to the bank. But instead, Ronald had made a plan with a friend to fake a robbery. And then they would split the money. Ronald with, left the... With checks? Mm-hmm. I mean, banks were a lot more lenient back then, but... Oh, yeah. That's really they... lenient. <laughs> I mean, you know, he could sign off on them, I think, because he worked at the dealership. Yeah. Maybe. Ronald left the bank around 1230 with a co-worker at the dealership who was also in on it. And... After being gone for more than two hours, they returned to the dealership claiming that they had been robbed at gunpoint at a red light. DeFeo Sr. was furious at the staff member who sent his poor child to the bank. Oh my god. Uh, Insert eye roll here. Yeah. He, you know, he cares so much about the child yeah, that he, he abused. Definitely um, had nothing to do with the checks or anything. No. He was anyway. probably more like... uh why the fuck would you send my degenerate child to the bank with a bunch of checks? You knew <laughs> this probably wasn't going to end well. <laughs> well, he did catch on. So, when the police came to question Ronald about the robbery, Ronald became extremely agitated with them. He actually became violent when the police began to suspect him of lying. He started banging on the hood of the car while they were talking to him. At this point, DeFeo Sr. realized what had probably happened. And a few days later, Ronald was asked to come look at a few mugshots, which initially he agreed to, but then decided he wasn't going to do it. <laughs> when his dad heard this, he confronted Ronald and wanted to know why he was uh, you know, not cooperating with the police. He is quoted as saying, you've got the devil on your back. Ronald's response to this was, you fat prick, I'll kill you. Wow. So <laughs> God. There are a lot of other stories like this, but I think you know, by now you kind of got the point. Yeah, I got the idea. He wanted his dad dead. <laughs> yes. Uh Ronald DeFeo's family had been found shot by a single bullet, except his mother, who had been shot twice. All, however, were found face down in their beds. Evidence suggested that his younger sister and his mother were awake at the time of their deaths. So like I said, I'm not going to get into too many details surrounding his arrest in his trial. But needless to say, the cops arrested him eventually and he was charged with the murder of his family. It seemed that his real motive was greed and anger towards his father. But this is kind of where you know demons and satan come into this story um when he was in court he claimed self-defense one of his defense was (laughs) self-defense he stated quote did i kill him i killed them all yes sir i killed them all in self-defense end quote as he stated this obviously people watching the trial and the jury gasped in disbelief yeah. Um. He goes on to say, quote, as far as I'm concerned, if I didn't kill my family, they were going to kill me. As far as I'm concerned, what I did was self-defense and there was nothing wrong with it. When I got a gun in my hand, there's no doubt in my mind who I am. I am God. End quote. Wow. So I think with that quote, he's kind of trying to set up, um, you know, an insanity defense. Yeah, But he goes further into it by claiming that he was possessed by Satan, and he blames Satan for the murders. And I think this is where, you know, the haunting of Amityville starts. Why people suspect Amityville is haunted, other than the atrocious amount of tragedy in that house. Yeah, that is a lot. So he changed the reason for the murder and the circumstances surrounding the murders multiple times over the course of the trial. He even claimed at one point that it was his 18-year-old sister Dawn's idea to kill the rest of the family. I did hear that part. Mm -hmm. He stated that he planned the murders with Dawn and two of his friends, quote, out of desperation. uh, Desperation to escape his father's abuse. He also claimed Don had killed the other siblings mm-hmm. and he then knocked her unconscious onto her bed and shot her in the face. So my problem with that, and I think the problem everybody has with it, is that um, they were all murdered in the same way. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he would kill her the same way as the rest of the family that she supposedly killed is interesting. Also there would be evidence of him knocking her out yes and what he knocked her out and arranged her on the bed and then shot her yep yeah it just does not make sense or line up Mm -mm. unfortunately for ronald his myriad of stories did not work he was found guilty of six counts of second-degree murder unanimously by the jury and was sentenced to 25 years to life on all six counts. Um, In my personal opinion, it should have been first degree murder, but definitely not a judge. So (laughs) now Joe Nickel, (laughs) he he's back. He is (laughs) back. And he commented on the case um, of the murder, stating that given the frequency with which DeFeo has changed his story over the years, and any new claims from him regarding the events that took place on the night of the murders should be approached with caution. Um, And this was said uh, regarding Ronald's appeals. Don't know why the love of my life was commenting on that, but there you go. Because he can. I know. I put because he's motherfucking Joe Nickel, that's why. Because he's directly... Or it's directly related to uh, the Warrens' best asbestos buddies. Oh, yeah. Best friends. Completely. Mm-hmm. So, Ronald died on March 12th, 2001 at the age of 69 in prison with all his appeals denied. Skiddars. Good. Okay. The house number... This is just a nice side fact. The house number of the Amityville house was changed from... 112 Ocean Avenue to 108 to deter tourists coming That's to that. That's nice, but now we know. <laughs> yeah. Now let's get into the hauntings. Get it? I know this In- part. <laughs> In December of 1975, a month after Ronald DeFeo was convicted of killing his family, and 13 months after the actual murder, the Lutz family, which consisted of George, who had recently married Kathleen. And Kathleen and her three children. Daniel, Christopher, and Missy. Bought the house for $80,000. You know something weird. What? So I've seen like. All the Amityvilles. All of them. Mm-hmm. And when you say. The dude Lutz. The dad Lutz. I think of Ryan Reynolds. But when you say the mom Lutz. I picture the lady that's in the the older version with the eyes. <laughs> well, I've never Which, seen the older one, so yeah. I don't know who. But you don't know who I'm talking about. That's but that's what I picture. But then I picture <laughs> the kids from the newer ish one with Ryan Reynolds. I'm gonna talk about because I just watched Amityville the other night just to refresh on it because yes. you wanted to look at Ryan Reynolds god but his body in that movie (laughs) (laughs) and he's so sweet at the beginning and then yeah it's weird but um i'm gonna talk about the movie towards the end all right let's do it so most of the defeo's furniture had been left in the house uh for an extra four hundred dollars don't know how i feel about that no i would not want the beds but after 28 days of living in the house, the Lutz family fled. So what happened? Scared the Lutz so bad that they purchased a house, a whole ass house, and then fled less than a month later. A Big ass house too. Yes. After moving into the house, a friend of George's, who knew about the history of the house, insisted that the house should be blessed. George was a non-practicing Methodist and Kathleen was a non-practicing Catholic. But she was able to inform George of what was going to happen. They had Father Mancuso, I think that's right, (laughs) who also happened to be a lawyer, come and perform the blessing while George and Kathy were unpacking their belongings on December 18th, 1975. The priest claims that when he first flicked holy water and began to pray, He heard a masculine voice say, get out. The get out would later be made into the famous soundbite used in the movie. Yeah. Now, keep that in your mind (laughs) that I just said that the priest claims. As he was leaving that day, he apparently didn't tell the Lutz of the voice he heard. However, a few days later on Christmas Eve, he called George and advised him to stay out of the second floor room where he had heard the voice. The sewing room. Yep. (laughs) Oh, no. It was the former bedroom of Mark and John DeFeo. The boys' room. I thought they turned that into the sewing room. They might have. But this was, this is from one source, and I just want you to remember that this story that I'm saying, this specific part, is in a lot of sources. And it's probably not true. <laughs> but we'll get into it. Okay. Apparently, after this, the priest got extremely sick. He had a high fever and blisters on his hands. The Lutz saw green ooze that would seep from the walls. Black stains appeared on their toilets. And flies appeared, even though it was winter time living in a cow town i understand the relief when winter comes because the flies disappear (laughs) so i can say that it is strange that there would be a bunch of flies in the middle of winter i agree occasionally george would hear a marching band in the living room but when he would go to see what was causing all the noise he would instead find all the furniture pushed to one side of the room Kathy reported feeling invisible hands hitting and scratching her. When she would hang a crucifix in the living room, the cross would turn upside down and start emitting a sour smell. Mm-hmm. Also, I'd like to point out that this is the second family that had a haunting that had music playing at night. I, I feel like that's a common one. And again, maybe it's just... Are the thing we were talking about last time Maybe hear a metal band at night. Maybe we aren't actually hearing that noise because of our ambient noises like our fans. Maybe we're actually being haunted but our fans are covering the noise. Well, thank you, fan. (laughs) I never, never, never sleep without my fan, ever. Me either. It's impossible. I literally can't. Mm -hmm. Um... Good thing I have one for when you visit. Thank God. And it's the same exact one, too. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I found an article that interviewed Daniel Lutz, one of the children, about what had occurred in the house. And he stated that soon after moving into the house, strange things started to happen. Kathy said she levitated, saw glowing red eyes, and began having nightmares about the murders. Which I feel like you might have nightmares about the murders. Oh, heck yeah! If you know anything about it, it is horrific and you're living in that house. I feel like having nightmares about it would be normal. I feel like I read though that like her nightmares were her in uh, butch's body. Like, oh, she was the one possessing him. Yeah, okay. See, I learned something um george said he witnessed her levitating once and that she had turned into an old woman Mm -hmm. george would hear weird noises at night and be woken up at 3 15 a.m the time of the murder missy his sister so daniel's sister acquired a strange imaginary friend that was a demonic pig with glowing red eyes which when i read that made me lol (laughs) Uh, i just can't help myself um george claimed to have seen pig print pig prints in the snow Mm -hmm. danny says he was possessed by a spirit and he just wants people to believe him but he also doesn't want to be known as the quote amityville horror kid i mean understandable it is i would like an identity outside of it too if i was him yes i agree the Lutz thought later that maybe it was the same spirit Ronald DeFeo said he was possessed with. George had stopped taking care of him sp- himself and spent most of his free time chopping wood in an attempt to escape the house and to also make sure there was always firewood to keep the fire in the living room going to ward off chills. Yeah, he said he was very cold constantly in the house. Yes. There was a report that the children started acting strange as well, that they their now. Children. Only... Okay. So I actually say that <laughs> at the end of this paragraph. So here's That's what, what I... I, so they say that they're acting strange and that they now only slept on their stomachs. The article I read this from said, quote, which is how the DeFeos were supposedly discovered by the police, end quote, which gives me major chills but at the same time, my children sleep that way, and I feel like most children tend to sleep that way. I sleep that way. I know to I say I sleep that way also, <laughs> so I don't know how abnormal that really is. I mean, maybe it was abnormal for them, but maybe the secondhand beds that they're sleeping on are just comfier laying on your tummy than your back. Mm-hmm. Uh, There were also reports of windows shattering, doors being torn from their hinges. Also in an article I found, uh, George tripped over a small lion sculpture in the living room, and when he looked at his uh, foot, there were bite marks. Mm -hmm. Like from an actual (laughs) lion. Yeah. So the article then goes on to say that George took the lion upstairs, but later found it back downstairs. Two months after the Lutz had fled from the home, guess who decided to show up mm, the- i don't know warrens no no it wasn't them <laughs> no Mm-mm. no are you sure no <laughs> <laughs> the warrens and reporter laura Didio. Didio Didio. i'm gonna guess that's how you say it Didio. <laughs> along with a uh, local television crew decided to investigate the house. From an article on grunge.com, they state, quote, "admittedly, it seems Diddeo wasn't taking things super seriously. She even called,, um, the event a psychic slumber party. <laughs> the article goes on to say that it seemed the researchers and clairvoyants on the team did take it seriously, though, and quote put on quite a show for the tv crew one researcher felt sick and personally threatened while a psychic said they saw the tear-stained face of a young child lorraine warren claimed that the home was something quote right from the bowels of earth and that she hoped this was as close to hell as she'll ever get right out of the butt yep Their investigation did yield one piece of evidence, um, the photograph. And we've already shared, but we will share again. Yes. It gives me the utter creeps. Um, The photograph is obviously very debated. I even showed it to Mormon and he was debating it with me, saying that it was probably just another crew member or something. (sighs) I was going to say they paid a neighborhood kid to stand there all creepily. Well, that's what I was. That's what I was telling him is that it is clearly a child. Oh yeah, it is not an adult. And I'm assuming everybody on that crew More
1: was an adult?
0: adult. Yeah. Unless, how old was the nephew at that time? No, he was an adult. Huh? Just There's kidding. A picture of them together. Just he, Yeah, he was definitely old enough. Um, in 1977, Hans Holzer. A professor, a professor, a professor of paranormal psychology and a ghost hunter, visited the, visited the home with a medium in tow that claimed they were capable of talking to the dead. The medium went into a trance and claimed that there was an Indian chief on a warpath inside the house because the house had been built on an ancient Indian burial oh, ground. Oh Lord! <laughs> yes. Walter claimed that this must have been the entity that Ronald DeFeo was possessed with. He said that the Indian chief would not leave the house until it burnt down. Remember that also. Okay. So have you ever heard of the book written by Jay Anson? What book? It's the Amityville. Oh, okay. I don't know authors. I don't (laughs) even know names. (laughs) But yes, I read the whole damn thing. Yes, he is the (laughs) one who made... This whole thing like blow up kind of. Um, and he's who mentioned the Shinnecock Indian theory. Jay Anson was a script writer who specialized in writing documentary shorts. He listened to over 45 hours of recorded interviews for Amityville, and he wrote it in just three months. Damn. The book was published in nineteen seventy-seven. He claimed that everything in the book was strictly fact, and he said, quote "There is simply too much independent corroboration of their narrative to support the speculation that the Lutzes either imagined or fabricated these events." End quote. And to that, I say, "Hmm." So, I read the book. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the book. <laughs> okay i think with such a short time period and so much things going on that it'd be like pow, pow, pow. like so like yes. whoa no it was so slow and boring <laughs> <laughs> i was just like get to something really cool so honestly i could like see a lot of the supposed haunting things that went on mm-hmm. because you know It's probably my fault because I had watched all the Amityville things and then I read the book. Like I Mm -hmm. grew up on the Amityville horror movies and then I read the book. And the book is so freaking slow compared to the movies. And his attitude change is like nothing compared to the movies. So... I don't recommend watching the movies and reading the book. Pick one. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the book was better if I didn't know the movies. But, I mean, it was supposed to be based on real life. Yes. And I can let it slide. Sometimes real life just isn't as exciting. No, no. Um, Again, quoting Grunge.com's article, who, by the way, it was an amazing, like, source of information for this story, they state, quote, it's also one of the greatest hoaxes of the 20th century, one that has been debunked multiple times over the years, end quote. And I made a- another list. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> These are all the things that make it not true. And in, in my opinion. Yeah. So number one. When George Lutz claimed to have seen the demonic footprints from Missy's monster pig in the snow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Weather records prove that there was no snowfall that particular day. Oh, no. Number two. Jay Anson claimed in his book that the Lutz called the police several times, but the police state they never once received a phone call from them. Number three. Joe Nichols states that when he investigated the Amityville house, all the original fixtures of the house were still in place without any sign of damage. Hmm. Wait. But was he, like, at the house before to know exactly what they look like? That is unclear. But knowing how skeptical he is and how much research he usually does on things, I'm assuming he does know in some way. But I also love Joe Nichol, so that could just also be a yeah, completely you're, biased You're statement. a little biased. He yes. doesn't know if, like, a broken piece of furniture is missing. Exactly. 100%. So, an investigator named Rick Morin, also the investigator who checked the weather, actually spoke to the father, so the priest, who supposedly blessed the house. Now, remember what I said. That priest claimed that he heard get out and that there were flies. He sure did. It's in the book. hmm Well, when he spoke to Rick Morin, he said that he didn't experience anything strange. No voices, no car trouble, no fever, no blisters. Um, and do you want to know why? Because he's a liar? Nope. This priest signed an affidavit stating that he never even went to the Amityville home ever. He only (laughs) spoke to George Lutz over the phone. Uh, So next, the Lutz and William Weber, Ronald DeFeo's attorney. So did you catch that? Ronald fucking DeFeo's attorney Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the Lutzes (laughs) sat down and planned The entire thing. Yeah. Long before the Lutzes ever spoke to Jay Anson. They created the story of the house over, quote, many bottles of wine. Mm. They were planning on capitalizing on the story of the haunted house. There is a confession of this from Weber himself, who stated that there was a neighborhood cat that hung around the home that George saw, and he turned it into the demonic pig. (laughs) Remember the green ooze? That's coming yes. from the walls? Yeah, I never understood it. It was green jello. Oh, so there they actually a... did put green ooze on their walls? No, there was just a stain of green jello on the carpet that they saw and decided that they were going to make the walls ooze green in their story. Is it just me or is green jello the best jello? Uh, I don't really eat jello. Me so either. i going to but... go with red. <laughs> no, because that's usually cherry and I hate cherry. Yeah. Strawberry is yeah. okay. I, we've always had this debate. <laughs> always. Always. If I'm going to go red, it's going to be strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So also we go back to the ancient Indian burial ground. Yeah. It was proven That no Native Americans actually inhabited that land. And so, of course, there was no burial ground to speak of. Um, In one article I read, I saw that Kathy completely admitted to it being a hoax. However, George did claim that the events occurred until his dying day. Hmm. And obviously, so does Daniel, one of Kathy's children. Yep. Yep. The Let's also contacted the media to have the Warrens come investigate with the TV crew. So I put this on my list of suspicious things. And that's just because when you have a big crowd of people, like, so contacting the Warrens themselves would not be that strange, I feel like, for the situation. But contacting the Warrens and a local TV crew, along with your making a book, basically, seems like financial gain yeah just just a smidge and my last one was Weber Ronald DeFeo's lawyer actually sued the Lutz for two million dollars because they decided to have Jay Anson write the book without including him and he wanted some of the profits wow but like what would they put in in um, like why would they put him in it exactly are you gonna say in that book that you uh concocted this entire story over wine i mean because they shouldn't have any contact with him no absolutely not yeah unless like he sent them a card when they moved in was like good luck uh so i did find an article that interviewed christopher one of Kathy's other sons um or the other son i guess and he was 7 at the time that they moved into Amityville he adamantly believes that the house is haunted but he states that it's not because of Ronald DeFeo and the murders or because of an ancient indian burial ground he states that his stepfather George Lutz brought the hauntings on the family He states that George was, quote, extremely curious of everything paranormal, end quote, and tried to summon supernatural entities by chanting. Ooh. He also states that some of the things written in the book, like the door slamming off their hinges, never actually happened. But he does say that they did have quite a few paranormal encounters, such as seeing shadow people. A quote from Christopher states, uh, he points his finger at the house, meaning George, and says, there's something evil there. Fingers should be pointed at what he had done. He's a perpetrator and an instigator, end quote. Okay. So talking about all the things that, you know, debunk Amityville, I'll leave you, uh, I'll leave the subject with a quote from Joe Nickel. Because why wouldn't I? Exactly quote the bottom line is that it was a hoax or is simply at best a matter that's not proven and that's not very good for america's most famous haunted house end quote (laughs) of course i also wanted to point how point out how absolutely disgusting i think it is that the lutz family used the murder of six people for financial gain i think it's literally gut-wrenchingly disgusting it is very disgusting and i also have a treat that we haven't been able to do for a while hauntedplaces.org yeah. 76 <laughs> percent of people think that amityville is haunted according to them have they been there though because it's I not open no to idea. the public people keep owning that house that's crazy I haven't I didn't see anything saying that any owners now have any paranormal activity nope now my last little section I wanted to talk about it's just I don't really have anything written for it I just was gonna kind of talk about it off the top of my head but the Amityville movie with Ryan Reynolds that one I haven't seen the older one so I can't attest to anything in that but they did a really good job I think Of sticking to the Lutz's story, whether the Lutz actually, like, it's true or not. They did a really good job with all the points. The only thing I didn't see in there, really, was the demonic pig. So the original one has more of the demonic pig, but they don't really, like, show it. It's just, like, her having conversations with it and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it getting her to do weird shit, like, climb on the roof. Yeah, and then the little... Uh, well, there was a little girl, Missy. But, I mean, the ghost girl, Judy? Yeah. I think I they know. replaced the pig with Judy. Yeah, I think so, too. Because that actually makes is a lot more sense. Just kind of weird. but like, how is she talking to the pig? Yeah, but he seriously, he cuts wood. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole movie. And is putting it in the fire. um When... The part that really got me, though, where I was like, wow, they really stuck to the story is when he's like running into the basement and he's pulling off the panels of the wood. And there's green ooze for just a second. He pulls his hand away and there's green ooze. And I was like, jell Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, but yeah, I just I was watching it, and I was like, wow, they did a really good job. Like there were some things that were definitely different. Obviously, oh, yeah. there's no mention of George Lutz killing their dog. Nope. No, 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 no. That part was horrifying. Yes, it was. Oh, I hated it. Yep. But, yeah. I don't like that. But-, but what do you think about Amityville? I love the movies. They're some of my favorite horror movies ever. <laughs> it is good. Uh, like I said, though, the book, it's just when I think of the book, all I keep thinking is there's flies in the sewing room. There's flies in the sewing room. There's flies in the sewing room. (laughs) The window broke in the sewing room. There's more flies. It just it felt like that, like just over and over again. As for if it's like real or not, I mean, it's boring enough that I could believe some of it. I don't Mm -hmm. believe green ooze or that sort of thing. I don't think that that would really be something like a ghost would make. Like, why is a ghost gonna? make ooze come out of something the like flies and stuff that's just kind of a little weird but I mean whatever if a ghost makes them show up sure I don't believe that their door was broken off of the hinges Mm -mm. see I think that there most likely is paranormal activity I would think there would be with how traumatic those events are yeah, I, I mean, would think that is, is a lot of trauma going into that mm-hmm. house, and that's usually like what yes. makes 100%. So but I don't think it's a demon, and I don't think Ronald DeFeo Jr. was possessed by a demon when he did it. No, so I think all of that's kind of meh. Yeah, but let us know what you think. Uh, do you think that Amityville is haunted? Do you think it's a demon, or do you think they're spirits? and also just a reminder please send us your listener uh stories um we really 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 want to hear your stories and put an episode together where it's your stories so that would be really nice you can send them to us over at our email this is legendpod at gmail.com on our website this is legendpod.com then, of course, remember to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok <laughs> at <laughs> This is Legend Pod. Keep it spooky, classy, and sassy. But most of all, keep it legendary. Yeah, Out.